Shalom Aleichem, Shavua Tov, to all of you, great listeners of this station, which beams only Divrei Torah, Divrei Musar, Divrei Halakha, and uh, religious music. This is Rabbi Elbaz from SLC. I'm going to speak both about the parasha we read yesterday and somehow tie it with the, uh, the holiday of Hanukkah. And by the way, happy Hanukkah to all of you. In the parasha we read yesterday, uh, at the beginning, we see that uh, the brothers of Yosef, when they saw him coming from far, they already decided, let's kill him and throw him in one of these pits. And we're going to tell uh, our father that a wild animal somehow ate him up. So Reuven, he heard what's going on. And he is trying to save, save him from, uh, from death. Let's not kill him. Please, don't, don't, uh, don't, don't kill him. Drop him in this pit over here. Why did he say that? Drum into the pit. And the Torah is a witness, is testifying here that really his intention was to save him. In order to take him back, bring him back to his to the father Yaakov. Okay, so they listened, they dropped him into the pit, and the Torah says, Vehabor rek, the pit was empty. And Bumaim, there was no water. So the uh, uh, the Gemara asks, uh, I mean, if if it says the bore wreck, if the if the pit is empty, obviously there's no there's no water. It's empty. So the Gemara answers, you know what? Well, it was empty from water. It was empty, but it had snakes, and it had scorpions in it, which can be very fatal. So. If so, then Hakam Reuven suggested to drop him into the pit. Didn't he realize that there were scorpions and snakes that can kill him? I mean, he said, he said drop into this, this pit here. He looks at the pit and he doesn't see him. What, what, why, what does he suggest that at all? So you're going from one death to another. What's going on? To answer that, I am going to bring up a piece of the Gemara from Masechet Shabbat. Daf Kaf Aleph. It says over there, Darash Rab Natan Bar Minyumi Mishimed Rav Abit Anhum. Ner Shel Hanukkah. The candle, the Hanukkiah, the candles of the Hanukkiah. Shehin Nihah Lema'ala Me'asrim Amma Pesula. If you put the Hanukkah, you place it, Aisrim uh, Amma, up 20 Amot, which is roughly at least 30 feet. It says, Pesula, no good. No good. And they say the same thing with a Sukkah. A Sukkah, if you, the Skakh is uh, above 20 Amot, 30 feet, also no good. 
So, and then it says like this. Since the Torah says that the pit was empty, don't I know that there's no water? What was the Torah trying to teach us? That there was no water, but there were scorpions and there were snakes. Question is, this whole thing is together. In other words, the uh, the case of the Ner Hanukkah above and, and the case of the uh, Sukkah is together, and also this case of the boar is together with everything else. But that doesn't seem to uh, to be in the same category as the other two. Okay, we understand Ner, you cannot put it high up. Sukkah, you can't put it very high up. What started with the Borek? Why is the Gemara bringing also the case of the Borek? The idea is the following. The Gemara is trying to tell us that just like when you look up to an Amut, you can't really see that far. Ain lo shalta. The Ner is pasul because you can't really see that far. The skach of a sukkah, that high, the eye doesn't go that far. It doesn't, doesn't see. Not that it doesn't see it. it. It might see it, but it's not obvious. So therefore, just like in the height, in depth also, meaning that if it's deep in more than 20 amut, then the eye it does not really recognize that. So now we can understand why Reuven said to drop him into this pit because when he looked, the pit was very deep and he couldn't see the scorpions, he couldn't see the snakes. So he said, okay, drop him over here. Not a problem. That's good. It's fine. Now, we learn from here a very big lesson. From Reuven, we learn a lesson. The lesson is we must do our best hishtadlut meaning our best effort. We give it our best shot. Strive to do the best we can to do something. The rest, it's up to Hashem. Reuven said, throw him into the spit. He couldn't see the snake, but maybe there were snakes. Well, he, it's not that he's not concerned, but hey, they were going to kill him. So what, the best that he can do at this point is, the best his shtadlut he can do is save, save him from the hands of the brothers, and put him into the pit. And then the rest, uh, the Hashem, and it did help. There was a miracle. Nothing happened to him. This is same, uh, a similar situation happened with King Hiskiah. Hiskiah Melech, he was a, a, a big tzaddik. He made sure in his kingdom everyone was learning Torah. And he was, the, 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 the hachamim say he was almost like a Mashiach. Yet, when he was sick, Ishayahu and Nabi came to him and said to him, you know, start already writing your will because you're not going to uh, heal from, you're not going to be cured from this. This is the end. So, so he says to him, and the king says to the Nabi, why, what do I do? says, you did not get married and have children. So King Hezekiah said, I saw Beruah HaKodesh. I saw Beruah HaKodesh that my children are going to be 
Rishayim. And therefore, that's why they get married. So Rishayim Nabi said to him, and it's very important, says to him, listen, you don't do what you see in the future. You do what HaKadosh Baruch Hu is telling you to do. You make your hishtadlut now. You try your best. You get married, you have children. You try to bring him up the best you can. What happens after that? That's up to HaKadosh Baruch Hu. It's not your business. Reuven did that. He did the best hishtadlut he could do. And therefore, he told him, drop him into the pit. Now, here, this particular lesson, the Hashmunaim also learned this lesson from Reuven. How? Okay, let me explain how. There's a famous question of Bet Yosef. The question is, now, we all know we're celebrating Hanukkah because of the fact that when the uh, Hashmunaim came into the Bet HaMikdash, they found only one vial of oil that had the seal of the Kohen Gadol that would last only for one night but then it lasted for another seven nights it lasted for eight nights altogether so the Bet Yosef has a question you had oil for one night okay so you, it, the miracle was for the seven nights so why are we celebrating Hanukkah for eight nights if the miracle was seven nights, we should celebrate only seven nights. But we do celebrate eight nights. How come? What's the answer? There's a couple of answers. There's a number of answers, actually. Uh, some answer that uh, the Hashmonaim, when they saw they only had one, one vial, uh, so they put only one eighth of it and the miracle uh, uh, you know, uh, happened and uh, they uh, it lit for all night, so that happened every single night. But the 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 best answer that they give is the Greeks in Mahshimam Vizikram. They may they did an excellent job in Mahshimam in defiling, making tameh the Beit Hamikdash. Everything that was there was tameh. It was it was almost impossible to find anything that's tahor. There was a miracle. And they found one vial that was tahor. That itself is a miracle. So the first night, really it should be seven nights. But the, the first night also was a miracle in the fact that they actually found that vial. That in itself was a miracle. And that's why we have eight nights. But now, what was in the mind of the Hashmonaim? Here they come into the Beit HaMikdash. They only find one vial of oil, which is for one night. Now they have a choice. They can use it for the first night, skip seven nights, and then because it takes eight days altogether in order to replenish for the pure oil, and then start again. Or instead of stopping and starting, well, like uh, there is an Indian of Leha'alot Nertami, that once you light up uh, the, uh, the Hanukkah, the uh, menorah in the Beit HaMikdash, you keep it up. You don't stop. So they had a choice either to light right now, stop, or wait seven days, 
light for the eighth night and keep on going. But they didn't do that. They, st they did right away. They said, listen, I have a mitzvah to do now. I'm going to do my ishtadut. I do my best. I'm going to light now. What's going to happen later on? We don't know. We'll leave it up to Hashem. They learned this from Reuven. Reuven, when he said, like we said before, when he saw that the brothers were going to kill him, he said, let's put him into the pit. Ah, there could be something wrong in the pit. Let's, this is the best we can do right now. The best the Hashemunayim could do at that moment was to light it right there and then. Maybe they'll have to stop. Maybe. But that was all they could do at that point. At that point. And Hashem helped them. And it was a miracle. And it lasted for eight days. There's something else that's quite interesting about Hanukkah. The Gemara in Masechit Shabbat says that uh, the, uh, the, uh, the fact that they found, it says, uh, uh, there was a ness. The next year, they instituted these eight days. They made them like holidays. Praise, and gratefulness to HaKadosh Baruch. So in other words, the Gemara is saying that the very main reason why we are celebrating these eight days is because of the nest, the miracle of the oil. We're going to go up and say the beracha, Hanukkah. We're going to make a beracha, Nisim Labotenu. It did miracles to our ancestors, right? Because of what? Because of the fact that there was one vial of oil that lasted for eight, for eight days. Well, that's that's really uh, uh, quite interesting here. Uh, what about the war? Hashem saved the Bnei Israel from the hands of the brutal Syrian Greeks. And the Jews at that time were much less in numbers. They're much less armament. Certainly not knowledgeable in the art of warfare. And yet Hashem helped them. They defeated the entire Greek empire. And became independent. Why don't we say, Baruch Atah Hashem and so on, Hitzilanu Miyadaivanim. Why are we saying only about the fact that it lasted the, the, the nest of the, the miracle of the oil? What about the miracle of the war? We're not mentioning that at all. At the same time, interesting to note that in the Amidah, when we say Modim, at the, uh, when we are grateful to HaKadosh Baruch Hu, that HaKadosh Baruch Hu does all kinds of nisim to us and so on. Yeah, and and uh, this is in the Amidam, uh, in the Mudim itself, with the miracles for us. Every, uh, I mean, we're living every day by miracle. We breathe the air. We, we, we move. Uh, we eat. We're healthy. It's all because HaKadosh Baruch Hu is doing that. Right? And then in this uh, part, in this passage of gratefulness to Hashem, we say, like we're grateful 
to the miracles, the victories, uh, the, all the, the things that Hashem saved us, uh, all the wars that He saved us from, that He did to our ancestors, right? Uh, and, and we say, Masata Giborim Biat Halashim, you helped uh, the Bnei Israel, and, and, and of course, the, the Bnei that were uh, weaker than the Greeks, and yet uh, they won Rabim Biat Me'atim. The Greeks were much more in numbers and then, then the, the, the Bnei Israel were few, and so on and so forth. And here it mentions only the war. It doesn't mention the miracle of the oil. This is the miracle of the war is mentioned here. We're grateful to Hashem for why not? Why not the miracle of the oil? It does mention at the end that when they went to Rebet Amidash and they, uh, 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 they lit the, the menorah, but that's all. But it doesn't say anything about the miracle of the oil. So in one case, when we come to the Beracha, okay, we only we talk about uh, the uh, the and, and so on is because of the miracle of the oil. When it comes to the war, that's only in the Amida, in the Hoda'a, in the gratefulness to Hashem. In order to answer this, let me tell you just a little bit of history about Hanukkah. I mean. The story of Hanukkah can probably take hours, but I'm going to spend a couple of minutes, a few minutes. Um, we have to start really with this uh, story of Hanukkah. We have to start way back in the year approximately 335 BC, 335 before the Common Era. With that, that's about roughly 2,350 years ago. So in that year, Alexander the Great, who came from a small town, a small country, Macedonia there, somehow he was, he, he was able to conquer the entire Persian Empire. It's amazing. Well, he was a brilliant warrior, no question about it. And he uh, developed certain armaments of war, a certain strategies and tactics of war, uh, which the Persians were completely unaware of. So they were taken aback. And despite the fact that the Persians were much more numerous than the Greeks, the Persian Empire, empire fell. For example, one of the things that he developed was in those days when they were fighting, it was mostly you know, body-to-body uh, -body combat. And they used to have spears. Normally, the spears would be about five, six feet long, something like that. He somehow uh, uh, invented the idea of having a spear that's 18 foot long or 20 foot long. And this way, from way back, his soldiers will be able to hit the enemy. Oh, so needless to say that in a, only a small amount of time, uh, Alexander the Great was the great the great was able to conquer the entire Persian Empire, and Judea, which is just a small uh, little country that was part of the Persian Empire, also fell under the rule of the Greeks. Now Alexander himself was not so bad in the sense that he did not enact any uh, edicts, no gezerot, against religion. Okay. 
Find they were tolerant. Tolerant means, okay, they'll allow it. But they were very, very active in trying to uh, push their culture uh, in, uh, for everyone, every country uh, that they conquered, they push everyone to adopt the, their way of thinking, the, the, the Greek culture, uh, their, uh, their gods, the, the way which was completely, totally against our Torah. They did it in a sort of conciliatory way, but they really pushed for that. This went on for over 120 years, over 120 years. Obviously, they were quite successful because there were tens and tens of thousands of Jews, especially the Tzedukim, those that only believed in the written Torah, not in the Gemara, the oral Torah. They went to the camp of the Greeks. They were what they called Hellenized. Hellenized means they adopted the Greek culture. At about the year 200 or so, uh, there was a fight between two generals of Alexander. When, when Alexander passed away, when he died, uh, the, 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 his empire was divided into two different uh, big, huge, uh, separate empires, smaller but separate. Uh, the Egyptian Greeks were called the Ptolemies, and then the Syrian Greeks were called the Seleucids. Uh, so at the beginning, the first 120 years or so, Judea was under the Ptolemies. Uh, uh, then in the year 200 or so, there was a, 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 a war between the two of them. Now Judea fell under the Syrian Greeks. And the Syrian Greeks were not as tolerant as the Egyptian Greeks. They enacted Gezerot. First it was Antiochus III, and when it came to Antiochus IV, the Gezerot were really bad. No Milan, no Shabbat, no Rosh Hodesh, and so on and so forth, which we know about. And that was around the year 168 B.C. That's when the Hashmonaim started. Hashmonaim came up. And whenever they, Hasve Shalom, we see some, like it's almost the end. HaKadosh Baruch Hu brings us a savior. The Hashmonaim were the saviors. They fought for about three years. And in the year 165, they were able to clear the Temple Mount and the surroundings. And they were able to go into the Beit HaMikdash. And that's then at that time when they had the miracle of the oil. But that was not the end. No, no, no way. I mean, the Greeks were not going to just take this insult and, and just uh, take it, uh, they're not going to take it sitting down. I mean, they're going to fight. Now they brought more and stronger armies to fight the, uh, the Bnei Israel. And of course, it took another 25 years. Most people are not aware of this. Most people think, okay, after the miracle of the oil, everything's fine. Oh, no. 
It took another 25 years before finally, finally, they really got rid of all the Greeks and all uh, four out of five children of Matatyahu were killed. And the only that was left was Shimon. And Shimon, finally, they placed him as the high priest, the Kohen Gadol, as well as the king. Now, I, being, the, being that it was a, a Kohen, really, it should not be a king. But they found a way out of that. And they said, we don't have anybody from uh, the uh, no offspring of David the Melech. We're going to name him the king until the Mashiach will tell us who is from David the Melech. So it took a long time. And the war was brutal. And there was there was uh, 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 one battle after another after another. It was not so simple. We could easily see the hand of Hashem in here. How could this small band of guerrilla, guerrilla people finally, uh, 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 oh, after a while, of course, they grew and grew in, in numbers, but no way to meet the numbers and the armament of the of the Greek Empire. But they were able uh, to, to vanquish them and get them out. So this is now what happened in the war. So we have two things here. We have a miracle of the oil, and we have the miracle of the war. What's the difference between the two? The, two, the difference is, one is teva. The other one is not. What does that mean? When you take a small amount of oil and then it multiplies and becomes eight times as much, that is teva. It's unnatural. It is not nature of a small amount of oil to become eight times as much. That is, this is similar to the splitting of the sea. Nes galui. No one can dispute that miracle. You can't dispute it. And therefore, the Hachamim made, said, okay, now we're going to make the Beracha on something that cannot be disputed. On the other hand, the miracle of the war, even though we all agree that it had to be but some people might somehow try to rationalize it. Maybe they can throw some logical reasons. Oh, well, the Greeks at that time had problems. They had civil war. Uh, they, had, they were worried about Rome. Rome was at, at this time was beginning to be very powerful, and, and they, they, they were threatening and so on. And, and therefore, maybe why... Hey, all these are uh, uh, insignificant reasons because with all these things, if not for the hand of Hashem, there wouldn't have been any, any victories. But still, because of that, this cannot be taken as a, uh, a nes, which is teva. Just like Yosef HaSadiq, for example, there was Ebed Ivri, a Hebrew and a slave. A Hebrew and a slave can't possibly become uh, the, 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 the viceroy of Egypt. It's, 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 it can't happen. But it did happen. Oh, so it did happen. It's a miracle. But 
Hey, look, you can say, look, he was smart, he was, this, he, he was able to interpret the uh, dreams, and therefore he became, he was able to uh, gain that position. So this is why we make the Beracha specifically on the miracle of the oil, which is unnatural. On the other hand, when we come to the Amidah, with the grateful to HaKadosh Baruch Hu, what are we going to be grateful about? That he helped us for almost 30 years of war? Or the fact that he gave us an additional two gallons of oil? So the gratefulness here has to be the other way. HaKadosh Baruch Hu helped us all through the war. That's why. But there's one thing we should learn from him. That there's a lot of nisim that Hashem does to us as an individual, to the community, to Eretz Israel, to the land. Every day there are miracles. We don't realize them. We have, we say, we say it in the Mudim. Every single day. The, the kindness of Hashem is infinite. We have to realize that. And we, when you say Mudim during the Amidah, let's not just read the words like empty, hollow words. Let us think seriously what HaKadosh Baruch Hu is doing to us every single day, then we can appreciate also what HaKadosh Baruch Hu did to our ancestors, not on an individual basis, but on a, a nation basis. So uh, I'm going to end up with this and going to again ask everyone to please try to help this uh, organization this radio station, try to help him as much as you can contribute. It'll be a great help. And of course, if you uh, have any simha, please contact our office. We have a beautifully renovated social hall that can accommodate any simha that you have. Shalom Aleichem, Shavua Tov, Hanukkah Sameach.